2: It's
3: another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Sunday, May the 7th. Of course, you can check out the show all the time at com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. You could also check me out on uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. Uh, apparently, this whole iTunes. Leaving feedback is a big thing, and, and I'd love to hear from you guys. If you want to leave a review on iTunes, by all means have it. Uh, this is the first regular season live show, and I'm glad to have everybody, whether you're listening live or on replay. It's been a uh, a wild week again here in the world of the New York Mets, and of course, if you're listening, you're going to call in. I will get to you. I'm not going to keep you on hold that long, but I definitely want to set up the show here uh, the number is 646-716-8187 if you want to call in. If you want to send me a tweet, at Mike Silva Media, you could tweet at me. I already got some comments in the uh, the Twitter fear. Twitter sphere is that what you call it? And I'll check. I don't know if uh, they're going to pop up the um, the thread, but I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to give it a shot over at com. pop up the thread. Obviously, if you want to call in, 646 716 Eight one eight seven. I know I got a couple of guys on hold right now, so just be patient. I will uh, get back to you. So uh, I, I promise. So anyway, um, let me start here. It's amazing how, no matter how hard I try to pivot the conversation on this podcast, it's like a circle that leads back to the same thing, and that circle leads back to the Mets and leadership and the manager, and the pitching coach, the things that really aggravate, I think, a small majority who really don't understand this, uh, maybe a large majority who listen and follow. But I've been saying for a long time that I really don't feel. And I actually, if you, if you haven't had a chance to listen, check it out. Tommy D does a great podcast called the X's and O's podcast, uh, mainly Nick's talk. I was on that podcast earlier this week, and we talked about that, and I compared uh, some articles recently about how the Miami Heat, and I know it's a different sport, run their operation from Pat Riley all the way on down, and how the Mets contrast, where it seems like everybody does whatever the hell they want, and by evidence of this old Matt Harvey thing, the chickens have come home to roost. When you go to Miami, you go into their program. And you fit into their program whether you're LeBron James or Dion Waiters, you're you're going into the Miami Heat way, and that way has been going on since the mid '90s with the continuity of the ownership group, the you know Pat Riley of course now Eric Spolstra and I know I'm going on with a different sport, but I really admire, and they've recently been in the news. I listened to a podcast with Spolstra with Adrian Rojanowski, and and look whether it's NFL baseball. NBA, the sports are different, but you can take a lot of things away about organization building from each scenario because the principles, the foundations are the same in a lot of ways, just the way they go about it, the sport, are different. With the Mets, and I said this earlier in the week on that podcast, and on the podcast last week, everybody does what they want. If Noah Syndergaard wants to put on some weight, he puts on weight. If Matt Harvey doesn't want to come to the ballpark apparently and we don't know exactly how many times this happened he doesn't come to the ballpark now I don't know what happened there's a lot of rumors about various things Harvey's people are claiming he went to play golf and he got a headache and there's a miscommunication with the Mets that's the second that's the second miscommunication with this guy in 2 weeks the first one and I came down hard on Terry if you remember was when he wasn't prepared to start and place a Syndergaard against the Braves, and he had worked out hard. And I'm saying to myself, you obviously knew Syndergaard may not start. You should have prepared him for that. Now, maybe I was wrong. Again, I'm not in the clubhouse, and I know people have said that. Maybe I was wrong, but I have to think, that. and if Terry Collins did tell him, hey, get ready, and he ignored that, then that's on Harvey. But it didn't sound that way. And with Harvey, you never know, because there's there's now a a larger sample as time goes on of lack of accountability and finger pointing when it comes to him. I think a lot of this is the, the the Mets are really their rotation. Some of their young players really aren't all that mature. They're not all that much of a grinder as maybe I thought they were. Uh, Maybe they're not as serious about winning as I thought they were, but a lot of that I blame on the organization. You know, an organization just doesn't bring players in and they, Uh, are winners, or have the right mindset, part of that is the organization instilling that in them, the manager holding them accountable. And I understand Terry's thought process here is, I got a veteran team. He had that story where everybody applauded him, the beat writers, all the writers, how he brought the 14 veterans into his office, first day of spring training, this is your team, you're going to police it. And certainly there's a lot to be said about that. And that's a big part of MLB clubhouse. And maybe the Mets don't have that leadership. Maybe they're missing David Wright. Uh, Maybe guys like Curtis Granderson and Neil Walker are not the leaders that they have been portrayed to be. You know, those are a couple of names out there. Um, You know, Wright's name always comes up, but he's not there. You know, he's not there, and he's not going to be there. Probably, again, unless he's going to be a coach. You know, you look at Jose Reyes, maybe he, you know, he's a veteran and and he spoke out a little bit about the Harvey situation today. Maybe they are lacking that. Well, that's where then the manager has to become kind of the, the guy that sets the tone. Think about Bobby Valentine. Now I know the players don't like Bobby, but Bobby, it was his way or the highway. And I keep hearing that that can't be done anymore because of the modern player. And maybe you have to tone it down a little bit, but in my world, when you lead a team, when you set the tone, when you set the groundwork, not that you're inflexible, but there are certain things that are my way or the highway. And showing up on time and coming prepared to play, that's like breathing. that That's not negotiable. It's just not. I'm sorry. And if there if we're at a point where that is, then all is lost. All is lost and... Uh, this thing is going nowhere. Because I can tell you, when I see the Washington Nationals, and yeah, they blew a game today, and their bullpen is going to be a problem. I see a lot of gamers over there. I see a team that in 2015, a lot of the things you're seeing out of the Mets and the dysfunction of the Mets clubhouse was what was going on over in the Matt Williams-led clubhouse over in Washington, and the Mets capitalized and seized the moment. So Matt Harvey suspended... Uh, clearly this is going to now be a back-and-forth. Who knows what's going to happen? And maybe it's time to say, hey, look, Harvey's just a guy that has diminished stuff. His trade value is at rock bottom. You're not going to get much for him, but you don't know. You don't know what a team thinks of him. There's still some control there. Maybe it's time to jettison him to somebody. The timing stinks because you don't have enough depth right now I mean, the Mets went seven deep in spring training, and they're, that's all gone. When, you know Adam Wilk was a guy that, if you had told me he made a start, you would think he'd be 10, 11, 12. But you know, when you start to look at how quickly things disintegrated, seven is plenty. You just can't have three of them get hurt at the same time, and another guy get, get suspended. I mean, because four in one shot, that's hard for any team. You, you need eight to ten pitchers, but you can't have four of them go and get knocked out right away. So my question is this, basically, and this is the theme of the show, and I'm going to get into some of the things with strength and conditioning and uh, some of the concerns, and I know that came up as well with the press conference with Noah Syndergaard. If the Mets don't clean this up, and there has to be some kind of accountability, and there has to be some kind of focus here towards what the goal is. And all I heard is this team is ready to win a championship. Right now, all I hear about is, is, is uh, injuries, suspensions, lack of communication. I mean, Addison Reed, and I don't care what the Mets say. I saw it in the dugout. You can tell there was a miscommunication, which, by the way, that was a great bullpen move by Terry, putting Reed in the seventh and Blevins in the eighth. That's the kind of thing that I've been not seeing for seven years. But here's the problem. You've got to let these guys know. See, communication is key. That, you know, there's, a, there's one way, is the my way or the highway? That's a lot with discipline and accountability and um, preparation. But when it comes to communication, especially with the bullpen, you've got the creatures of habit. You've got to let them know why you're doing it, not all of a sudden surprise them. Because he probably wasn't ready to come in the 7th. His mind was the 8th. Is it a silly thing? Yeah. But when it comes down to it, that's what makes these guys tick. Ball players are creatures of habit. They're creatures of habit. And you're not going to change that. And the 8th inning and the 7th inning and the 8th inning and the ninth inning, it doesn't mean a lot when you look at it in a vacuum. But it means a lot to these guys. Because if they're not ready for it, they're not prepared for it. They don't feel they could go out there mentally right. That's when they they those inches, those the extra 2% that's the difference, it's not there, and that's when you have a problem. And there's a lot of miscommunication on this team. And by the way, every pitcher's command is off. Every pitcher's a mess. Is anybody ever going to sit here and take a look and say, maybe we need to start thinking? I mean, when they weren't hitting two, three years ago, Dave Hudgens was out the door early season in May. You know, we got a great pitching coach down in AAA. I know that's one of the questions out in the Twitterverse there is about, you know, if Terry Collins gets fired, where are about to go. I mean, is anybody looking at this? I mean, for Sandy Olsen to say everything, if Sandy Olson believes, and I understand the, the quote on the broadcast yesterday. I don't know who said it, where it was coming from. I don't know where I read it, but that, Patience, maybe it was actually it was coming from Dan O'Dowd on the MLB Network, former GM of the Rockies. Patience is ultimately what you need to be successful in this game, but that's what's in short supply. Dan Warden has been his pitching coach for nearly 10 years, so this is not about patience anymore. But the circle continues. The circle keeps coming back to lack of leadership, lack of accountability, lack of communication, guys. That's on the manager. That's on the pitching coach. That's on the GM. That's not about importing certain players. That's not bad luck. That's, that's a product of design. And you know, I know I'm tired of talking about it. I know you're tired of hearing about it. But it keeps coming back. I had no intention about talking about any of this nonsense today. What I was hoping to talk about is, hey, and it was pointed out on Twitter, the Mets had a 7-3 and three stretch. They had a 1-9 stretch, and now they had a 6-4 and four stretch. They played – I mean, today was a bad loss because you got the Harvey situation, and it really just set the tone for a bad day. They went out there, and I don't think they I think they had a shot. They packed it in, and they're done. But they had a good weekend, and the offense is starting to perk up. And I was going to say, you know what? The league, everything is jammed up. Nobody's out of it. The Nats blew a game. This, this – you know, just be patient. Hopefully, Matz or Lugo, or hopefully both, get healthy in a couple of weeks. You don't have to see Montero anymore. You don't have to see Wilk anymore. God help us, Tommy Malone. Know, maybe PJ Conlon is the answer, and Double A. I don't know. But as soon as I try to turn the narrative around, this stuff comes back up. So you could make fun of me. You could yell at me. You could scream at me. You could say I'm an idiot, which I, I they do. I don't know what I'm talking about. Guys, I've been watching sports, multiple sports, for a long time. So have you. you got to take the blinders off. There's a problem. This is a bad manager. This is a bad pitching coach. And you got to start to wonder, does the general manager, maybe he's too stubborn. Maybe he's missing something as well. Maybe this thing's getting stale. He's been around. Listen, in sports, seven years, eight years is an eternity. Sandy's been here, and I think Sandy will be here He'll leave when he wants to leave. I think that's how the setup is with he and the Will Ponds. And before you get to Sandy, it's got to be about what's going on in the field. And a lot of the miscommunication, all of it, as a matter of fact, falls into the on field product. I got a lot of phone calls in the queue, and I'm going to get to them right now. And uh, again, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a different setup here. So I'm going to give your uh, area code and the last four digits of your number. So pay attention. And, uh, First one here is a 908 area code 3027. You're going to kick it off here on the Talkie Mids podcast. You're on with Mike Silva. What's your name? What's going on, my friend?
4: Hey, Mike, it's hey, How are you doing? Great show. Thank You're you, my report.
3: friend. Thank you so much. What's going on? I wanted
4: to ask you, to ask you about Paul Seawald. He looked good today in, in relief. So I wanted to ask you if you think he could be a starter, because obviously, obviously the rotation is pretty bare now. So I, I wanted to ask you if you, if you thought he, he could be a starter down the road.
3: That's an interesting question. Now, I like Paul Seawald. You know, Michael Mayer, who's from the, uh, the Metsmorizedonline.com community, uh, has been talking him up. They could have lost him in the Rule right. 5 draft. Here's the problem. I'm looking at his numbers. He's never started at all in his right. professional career. I don't have his college numbers. Um, I, you know, the bullpen is in such bad shape right now. I mean, I know Reed and Familia, and I'm okay with them, and Robles and I've been a critic of Robles has really stepped up and done a nice job, but you almost Mm -hmm. need him because these are now going to be five. I mean, even the, the, the Groms of the world, these are five inning uh, starts now. Maybe he needs to come in and be that sixth inning guy because Smoker's been bad. Um, Salas has been bad. So you almost, I understand where you're going. You almost need him in this, you need him out of the bullpen at this point, you know, I I hear you, you know, but interesting, uh, interesting, interesting fantasy perspective. Uh, but if he could get stretched out, you know who knows. You know it's not the you know Roger McDowell was his daughter at one point.
4: When do you expect a Rosario to be coming up? Like sooner rather than later. Uh,
3: you know Sandy Alderson said last night during the broadcast that if there was a need, and I think if Cabrera was a long term injury, I think they would do right. it. I don't know about you, but I think they're going to wait as long as they can, unless they absolutely need a long term replacement because of the whole. Right. Um, free agency thing, and it, it kind of makes, I mean, I think the Mets could survive two or three weeks without him right now. The offense isn't the problem, it's the pitching staff. Is Rosario, right. Unless Rosario is going to give them seven innings, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Although, I'll tell you what, I don't know if you agree, Jose Reyes' defense has really, at shortstop, regressed. Holy, holy moly. I, I thought I was Absolutely. looking at, uh, oh my God, today. I don't know if you saw the ground ball early. It was like,
4: uh, there's
3: no lateral movement.
4: It isn't. He doesn't have the same range as five years ago. I mean, obviously, he obviously he will take his steps, and he has yeah. caught up with
3: him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, thanks for the call. Thanks for the call. Good thanks, stuff. Mike, the, appreciate appreciate it, and uh, keep uh, keep uh, tuning in. I appreciate your support. I
4: say, Mike, will do.
3: Have a good night. Uh, good stuff over there. Interesting stuff. So, Paul Seewald, listen. Sometimes on these on these broadcasts, you don't know what you're going to get. And uh, that was not crazy. Although, again, I look at his minor league numbers. He's never, never started. He's been a, uh, a reliever. Uh, and look, the strikeout rate. You got to look at the strikeout rate of over a career in the minor leagues, 10.8. Walk rate is low. I mean, there's something there. Now, obviously, they didn't put him on the 40-man until they absolutely had to. So maybe they see something that uh, we don't. It's got a little bit of a of a arm angle there. Uh, the velocity I noticed and again I'm, I'm junior pitching coach here. The velocity from off speed to fastball isn't a tremendous difference like between eighty four and ninety two but um you know he did a, a he played a big role today because with how bad this starting rotation has been in terms of giving length, uh they needed someone to suck some innings up, and he did and uh, hopefully that as the calendar turns to a new week DeGrom and and hopefully harvey you know depending on when he starts again. They gotta start pushing these starters to, you know, get into the sixth, seventh inning. And you do that by having your command, by not walking too many batters, not having three and two counts, uh uh getting, you know, to 115, 120 pitches with the, with less strain than what you saw this week in Atlanta and obviously against Miami. Uh we're now moving over to Westchester, a nine one four area code, twenty five seventy eight is the last four digits. You're on the air with uh, Mike Silva. How you doing?
4: Hey, how you doing, Mike? Um, listen, it, this today was doomed from the get-go. I mean, clearly, Matt Harvey's whole thing, it, it's a complete distraction to the team. I just don't understand why this organization continues to let these guys like, get away with all these off-field, this, this off-field drama. Like, this team cannot have a week without something happening. And I feel like Sandy Alderson's the one who should be held responsible for all this. Like, he built this team. It's a completely flawed team, Mike. Well, you're not wrong about
3: some of the flaws. I mean, it's not a team that personally I would build and I feel comfortable 100% with. He believes in the home run. He talks about on-base. you got a lot of guys on here that aren't great on-base guys that don't work the count. I think, though, here's the thing. When you build a team, and then, again, in theory, in the old days, and maybe it's different now, you have a field manager in place. Your field manager is supposed to manage the affairs of the clubhouse. The miscommunications with Harvey are with the organization, but some of them are with the field manager. And the fact of the matter is, Sandy doesn't know if a guy's in the clubhouse or not unless the field manager tells him. And it's and again, we don't know the whole story. Uh, some people have said he went to Ottawa on a private plane to watch the Rangers, and there was another story that he was out golfing. There was a third story that it was related to, obviously, the inappropriate toy in, in the locker. You don't know, but it sounds like it's an ongoing thing. And I can tell you for a fact, Harvey's never been a great teammate. I know that. I've spoken to guys who played with him, uh, not guys on the team now, from the day he came up, from the day he came up. So this doesn't surprise me, but what does annoy me is that if he if he takes – if he thinks so little of his job and what's, and the days he's not pitching that the Rangers are a bigger priority than his team, uh, that's been brewing for a long time. And that's you're right; it falls on Sandy. But I wouldn't absolve the field staff from this. You know, he no, if he's I- going in the clubhouse to watch a Rangers game. Sandy Olson doesn't know about that. You know.
4: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, but but Mike, I mean, you're you're absolutely right that this falls definitely on the field staff. And Sandy Alderson's not in the clubhouse. It's well taken. I mean, two years ago, Harvey missed his scheduled workout for the, for the postseason run. And it just seems like they just let him do whatever he wants. Like, they find him. But there's just, like you had said before, Mike, there's, there's just no accountability. And while Sandy's not in the clubhouse, he's the one that runs this show. Terry's a puppet for him. Let's face it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, with, if he fires Terry Collins today, Sandy Alderson gets the brunt of this entire blame. That's why he will never fire Terry Collins until – and he'll just let his contract run out, Mike.
3: You know what? I'm not going to argue with that. Um, I think you're – I mean, obviously the modern front office is involved. I mean, if anybody believes that some of the lineup decisions would – especially would conform lead off were Terry's idea, i got a bridge to sell you. That's coming from the front office. And there's definitely times when Terry will say something. Yeah, yeah. And look, you want the front office with this manager uh, making some of the decisions like that. But, um, you know, everybody – and you brought up the whole Harvey with the playoff scenario. The seeds of that workout, missing that workout, are planted so far before that. Um, And again, I have to feel day in and day out, the manager is going to have more interaction with Harvey and holding him accountable than – the GM. Now the other thing is, and this is what this is a new era. And tell me what you think. Goes back to the Knicks with Kristaps Porzingis, LeBron James, uh, anybody. You know, maybe when Bryce Harper had a fight in the dugout a couple of years ago, there's this feeling that now because of free agency, because players can dictate where they want to go. Not it used to be six years. Now after three years, they get expensive. So maybe it's a, the window smaller that you can't discipline them. At some point, you have to call the bluff. I know you don't want to lose great players. But geez, if you if you're gonna have to have players, and, and you know, forgive me if you're a millennial, millennial players running the show, you know, the inmates run the asylum. We've seen this happen in the '80s before. It doesn't go well. So I think that plays into it. And now that he's not a star, maybe they don't really give you no know want about what he thinks. But see, that's to me, that's almost as bad as not holding people accountable. That's a shallow, and that, and the players will see through that. Uh, where and, you pick and, and, on yeah, I mean,
4: you, you saw the, the Jose Reyes' you know? comments about how Harvey can't even—he's not even committed. Like he was calling him out because he's not even committed to his craft. I mean, you're you're absolutely right. The players pick up on that stuff, and I I totally am with you, Mike. I mean, uh, they none of these guys are—they're—they're they're all entitled, disciplined, and like Sandy had to have put it—he needs to put his foot down on this organization and he just lets these players do whatever the hell they want. It's exactly what you were saying a week ago with the whole Cindergard business. They, they, if these guys say they're, they're healthy, you, you, just because they say they're healthy doesn't mean you should let these guys play. I mean, I know it's a whole different subject, but the fact of the matter is that this organization does not hold anybody accountable, and it's exactly what your point was made earlier in the show. Yeah,
3: And there's not a Mets way. And you look at teams... That are successful. I mean,
4: I'll tell you what. I
3: mean, I don't see this going on. Everybody makes fun of Joe Girardi. Do you see this going on across town? Even now, when this they've been doesn't bad. doesn't be
4: go on with any other organization. Well, it feels like that it, the Mets are the only team that puts up with this garbage. That that no other Well, the Nationals
3: had so issues. None. The Nationals had issues a couple of years ago, and I mean, this is smells but you know a lot what? They, like they what was fired going on Dusty in
4: Baker, and, and and they're a much more harmonious front office. State. Right. Like, like that was more right. of a Matt Williams problem that 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 was going on with the Nationals, and and it makes they hit that in if they the, changed butt. the
3: Makes you wonder if they changed the field staff, what would happen?
4: I mean, that again, yeah. I'm not saying I mean, that's the answer. But. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, I I totally agree that Terry Collins is a problem because you're you're right. The the, the miscommunication definitely falls on him, but. As as we know, Sandy Alderson's the one that calls the shots. He's not in the clubhouse. I get it. All all the interactions that happen definitely falls on Terry, but Sandy's the one pulling the strings.
3: Thanks so much for your call, man. Good insight. Appreciate you listening and Thanks, uh, keep Mike. tuning in. Appreciate it. You Thanks, got Mike. it.
4: Let's go, Matt. Good stuff.
3: You got good stuff. I'm glad. So far, really strong calls, and I know we got a couple in the queue. So keep on hold. I'll get to you. I want to bring up one other point that I didn't bring in the open. And this goes back to the injuries. And nobody, Kevin Kernan, and Kernan's another one, New York Post, that gets a lot of criticism on Twitter and a lot of criticism from the fans. And I've seen him get criticized on uh, MetsMorizedOnline.com, which is fine. Sometimes Kevin, Kevin is, uh, I don't think everybody gets Kevin's uh, dry sense of humor. And Kevin is an old school guy. And he has a a strong point of view on things. But he talked about strength and conditioning and too much muscle and how the players are, are almost working out now for you know they want to throw the ball a million miles an hour and they want to be the most ripped and this is not weight you're not trying out for the nfl you're playing baseball start and stop and i am not i don't have a degree in this and i know mike barwis who's a consultant and you go to this barwis way he consults to a bunch of different entities and he's been involved in other sports organizations i think the miami dolphins and Obviously, his connection to the Mets was the University of Michigan and what he did there. And Fred Wilpon is from, graduated from the University of Michigan. But since he came on board, and Google it, guys. While you're listening, whether it's live, replay, if you're driving, don't Google it now. Wait till you get to work or wherever you're going. Google Lucas Duda, Mike Barwis. Google David Wright, Mike Barwis. Google Ioannis Cespedes, Mike Barwis. Three guys, big big pieces of this organization. On this method, at various points in the last three, four years, all with serious injuries. And Sandy Alderson is going to tell me that he has the complete confidence in the strength and conditioning program with this team. Now, understood, Wright has a debilitating injury that was going to happen. But it did get accelerated since Barwis came on board the hamstring injury back in 2014. And Barwis has a very uh, strong uh, weight training program that centers on the lower body. You saw that with what he did with, with Cespedes, Lucas Duda, back issues. I mean, Syndergaard, I don't know if Barwis was involved with, with his particular weight gain or strength gain. Sandy claims not 17 pounds, whatever. And here's the other thing, by the way, with Syndergaard that I'm so tired of hearing. And I know what Bob Klappish, I like Bob, but I've heard what Bob says. Do I think that Syndergaard's injury is preventable? Syndergaard's in- injury was preventable in the offseason with how he trained. I don't think it was preventable just skipping a start. Now, they certainly should have saw what was going on, and, and, and again, I don't necessarily agree that the bicep tendonitis had nothing to do with the, the lat. But that lat was going to tear, whether it be last Sunday, Tuesday. Um, you're almost happy it happened where it happens now. You don't want it to happen in August because then he's out for the year. It was good. I, I believe when those things happen, whether it be Tommy John surgery, it's, it's just a culmination. It's not one thing. I mean, one thing could really exacerbate it, but it's never about one thing. It's a chain of events that leads up to that moment and that moment will happen when your car has something wrong going on it doesn't always break down when you're driving 50 or 60 miles it can break down when you're driving up the block it happens at a point because of all the behavior leading up to that the pictures there's the same thing so nobody's talking about this guy now Kernan brought up the strength and conditioning and I tweeted to Kernan see Mike Barwis I'm hoping somebody with far more contacts than me could start to investigate this. And I guarantee the Mets will shut it down, and Boris will give some corporate gobbledygook answer. But there's your answer to where these issues are going. And when they start to look into the suspects, I they know they're examining suspects this week, to why he continues to get leg problems. I guarantee you can hear something about his routine. And that routine starts with your strength and conditioning consultant who is on some reality show. And, and again, I don't, want, I don't care if they look good for the women in the beach. I don't need linebackers. I don't need uh, cornerbacks. I don't need uh, halfbacks. I don't need running backs. I need baseball players. That's what Sandy Olsen and Terry Collin need. Let's go out to New Jersey. Uh, 732, and the last four digits are 6374. What's your name? You're on the air with Talking Mets and uh, Mike Silva. Timothy Phipp, Jackson, New Jersey. Hello, Timothy. How are ya?
2: Fine. Got a of you? Fine. God to you. Should the Mets call up I'm mean Rosario and Dominic, Dominic Smith from A Las Vegas? Well,
3: um, interesting question. And like I said earlier, I think right now Dominic Smith, I mean, first base is not the concern or the issue. Uh, Rosario, I think, would be a situation where if there was a long-term need, and personally I think that they're going to try to wait as long as they can into the mid part of the season with the, uh, service time, and because and, I think the, the Super 2 situation could be a, a concern if you call them up sometime before June 1st. Um, I don't have those numbers straight in front of me, and I certainly will look into them, but I think that that's what's preventing those two guys from getting called up, short of a catastrophe where there's no other option. I don't believe Sandy Alderson, when he said last night on the broadcast, that if there's a need, he'll come up. They're going to try to push that. Uh, the earliest I can see him up is June 1st. Uh, and more likely mid season um you know and it sounds like carber is gonna be okay so uh status quo there. Anything else, Timothy?
2: Yeah, I think the, yes, I got a question. Well, I have another question. And as a okay. trade trade in lines in July. in of July. July thirty first, uh, July thirty first, the Metsu would like to trade Jury Familia and prospect Recall assessments to the Red Sox for Craig Kimball and trade Juan Ligueras and pitching prospect Marendi Gonzalez to the Reds for Billy Hamilton.
3: Um, thanks for the call. Well, the Billy Hamilton one is not terrible. I don't know why the Reds would do that. I don't know why. I mean, I have to look into the pitching process. I'm not a big Billy Hamilton fan, by the way. Uh, as far as familia for Kimbrell. Um, I don't see that happening. It's kind of those both those deals kind of came across like fantasy trades. And uh, if the Mets are making deals of guys like Familia and Lagaris in July, they're probably doing fire sale things. And I really don't think it's going to get bad enough where they'll fall out of it, where they'll sell off. That's that's really the benefit of the second wild card. You, you could This could be a 500 team. I mean, this was a team that after 122 games last year was under 500. Now, you don't want to be 60 and 62 every year and make a run. And you certainly can't do that if you have a year uh, like three years ago when in 2015 you had two 97-win teams in the wild card with 97-plus uh, win teams with Chicago and Pittsburgh. But most years if you win ninety games or eighty eight to ninety games, you could be in the mix. Even before the second wild card, if you were in the eighty eight to ninety win range, you were probably a wild card contender. And that's really not asking a lot to win eighty-eight games. Seriously. It really isn't. I'm telling you. It if you think about it, it's basically you play five hundred, you know, with six opportunities uh to, to bust out of that. Uh it's just not. It's it, it's it's amazing how, uh, and I think uh, last year showed you a lot of that. I mean, this team was basically, after April, was a 500 team. They had, and that's the thing that drives me crazy with the Collins defenders. When you look at Terry's resume since 2011, they had 16 good weeks in 2015, and they had about eight good weeks last year. You're talking about 24 to 28 good weeks in seven years. That's not a hell of a lot of good baseball. And let me tell you, the other weeks that are not in that in that little segment, there's some really bad weeks, some boring weeks, some really lethargic weeks. Games like today, you had seasons where there was months that were like today. And some of that is the talent, but some of that falls to the manager. Look at the Mets' rosters throughout Collins' tenure. There's nothing that's really been a train wreck. I mean, even the 2011 team was kind of in it until July, kind of, on the peripheral, but not really a contender. They invested the team early in the year. The 2012 team was kind of in it till they collapsed. There was always that half a season where they didn't play well, and, I, and some of that where they tore the team apart and traded Beltron and um, so on and so forth, but some of that I really feel you know, a better manager, a guy who can manage the bullpen better, Maybe a little bit of an investment in the team, not not sacrifice in the future. Might have made a difference. There were other things going on with budget and payroll and Madoff that I don't really want to get into, but that was part of it. Uh, the number is 646-716-8187. I know there's a ton of um, tweets. i, I got to get to that stuff, but I want to get to the calls of the people that are holding on right now. Uh, staying in New Jersey 973 this time the last four digits 5750 you're on the air we're talking Mets and Mike Silva what's your name and uh, what do you got going on
5: Hey Mike it's Chris uh Vitamin C M on the site Hey hey Chris uh first before I start with my question or comment I want to double down on that uh Barwis thing that guy is going to be on trial for murdering careers
3: <laughs> and Dan Worthen will be uh, an, an accessory to murdering pitching career. Uh, <laughs> you know, he'll be an accessory to the crime <laughs> When you said that for uh, a minute, I was like, he's, he's on trial for murder I'm like, well, I didn't see that, but you got me going there for a minute uh, every You know, guy I'm, I see not in a, the
5: spring, I'm
3: not a strength and conditioning guy But I gotta tell you, I'm starting to read a little bit And I just, I gotta think there's a connection
5: Every guy that 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 is in love with them in the spring is in love with the trainers room during the season. And nobody it's talks ridiculous. about it. Nope. And nobody talks it. The thing I'm thinking about is uh there's like two ways a team can go. This is a this is a win now team. They have a bunch of veterans, bunch of them in the last year of their deals. Then they have a handful of these young guys ready to come up soon or maybe even this week, I don't know. Uh if they if they get noticeably better than they look now, I think that they should just load up and make a few like of these cespedes type deals where they just go all in on this year. But if they stay the same or get worse, I really think they gotta they really gotta do what the Yankees did. They just have to dump everybody. Grandy, Bruce, Dudo, Walker, Cabrera, Reyes, just dump all these guys. Even even the pitchers, even Reed, Blevins, Familia, just like fire sale these guys and bring back an army of prospects. And then the payroll, they'll have no payroll next year. They can sign a bunch of free agents, bring up the kids from Vegas, and then even trade some of the prospects for a couple other pieces to plug in. But I think it's either got to be load up for the World Series or just back the truck up.
3: Part of of loading up for the World Series means going all in, and then the real question is depending on What's out there? Are Rosario and Dominic Smith off limits? And if that's getting in the way of a major upgrade, uh, what do they do? Personally, I don't know if I. I mean, I don't. I, I, Rosario's a guy I wouldn't trade. Smith, I'd be more open to. Although he's starting to change my mind, the more I you know I read about him, I don't see him. The more I read about him, that might be a, a part of this. Or do the Mets do something like the Red Sox did in 03 with garcia Power? Do they go with Harvey or, um, you know, uh, with some of their pitchers? Do they package them for maybe a veteran pitcher? Or I don't know. I don't know what's out there. It's too soon to say, but, you know, there's a couple of ways that that could go with with what we're talking about. all in might mean doing something painful that potentially sets them back in terms of having these prospects or these players in the years to come. Do you go all in? Is this their last shot? Is their window completely closing? I don't think so, but I think there's a middle ground and my guess is the middle ground is what Sandy Olison will do.
5: Yeah, I, I think that unfortunately they're they're probably going to just sort of stamp hat and maybe pick up a couple pieces and be sort of not good enough to win it.
3: And, and 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 well, what is your vision for success this year? like what would be acceptable just making the playoffs? Or anything short of a championship you're going to be disappointed in, in, uh, as, as far as, as you're concerned?
5: Well, before I saw things go the way they would, I would have said into the league championship series would be minimum.
3: And you think with Syndergaard out for three months, you still feel good about that? See, I, I think they're more of a wild no. card team now. I don't think they could win the division. I don't think they haven't. Even with the Nationals' bullpen. I just feel that there's too much going on here from an injury perspective and from a off-the-field perspective where it's just, it's going to be the difference between them being in the 95-96 range where you need to be to win a division and the 85-88-90 range where you need to be to be in a wild card. That's my two cents on that. But um, if they don't make the playoffs, I think heads have to roll. I think you and I agree on that, right?
5: Yeah, I definitely and I think I think they're closer to being that Bobby Benea Vince Coleman Mets team from the early 90s than they are to being the 2015 Mets.
3: Wow, that says a lot. So you're on the more pessimistic side. Well, Chris, thank you. You you listen a lot. I appreciate all the time when you uh when you check in and uh keep listening and next time we do one of these call in, you're uh, you're always a welcome guest, all right, my friend? Thanks a lot, Mike. The line's open. Keep coming. Uh, 646-716-8187. We're going to head out to Long Island in Nassau County. A 516 area code 2070 is the last four digits. You're on the arrow, Mike Silva. How are you?
6: Hey, Mike. It's Scott. Um, you know, hey, I've been Scott. a med fan a long time. And, you know, what bothers me is uh, the way Sandy Alderson doesn't take accountability for the way he treats injuries. and. You know, I noticed last year with Matt's, his elbow was hurting at a big bone chip. Instead of putting him on, you know, he's a potentially a very good long-term piece. Instead of protecting him, putting him on a DL, they injected him with, you know, uh, steroids in his elbow or anti-inflammatories and made him pitch to it. And, I, and you know, if you have a bad elbow, And you pitch, and then all of a sudden, now his shoulder's bad. You know, it seems that he's too cavalier with these injuries. And he pushes the players when he really should DL them. And it's causing, I think, with Syndergaard, it's a great example. I mean, there's no way he should have pitched. I mean, he couldn't lift his arm. This guy is a, a huge piece of the Mets' future. He had no business pitching the guy, and he's reckless. I, I um, and the problem the problem is the Willipons will never see it, because they're so totally brain dead. They'll let Sandy just run this thing into the ground. But it seems like he's making a lot of bad uh, moves with these players, and it's it's troublesome. It's I mean it's troubling.
3: It's it's certainly the way they've gone about developing these pitchers. Is certainly I agree with you. It's always a catch-22. Look, pitchers are always going to have aches and pains. Ask every member of the 80s Mets. I mean, Ron Darling talks about it all the time on the air. Your arm is never going to feel great. And maybe now, because of technology and medical advances, it's easier to see what's going on in that elbow uh, on a micro level. And, and and that could be something that all of a sudden, now every time, every time there was an ache and pain, a pitcher's not going to pitch. They probably would never be on a mound. Um, I, I remember last year there was aches and pains, bone chips. All, obviously, all those things are signs of a bigger issue. Uh, I think it starts with they have to evaluate. I mean, in this spring training, they were not even having their pitchers throw PFP, which to me, if your pitchers are so fragile that they can't throw to first base for fielding drills, right. uh, You know, that's like the equivalent of you not driving your car up the block two miles to save wear and tear on it. Like if that's what you're hey, doing with you- your car— then leave it in the driveway and walk. That's what I would the say. Second, I keep using the car just,
6: analogy. You, you look at Cespedes. He, he had that uh, pull. In his. Uh, he said it felt like something was wrong with his uh, hamstring. Why even put him on the back? He's so important. Why right. risk a further injury? I mean, he's, exactly. to me, Sandy Alderson is way too aggressive with injuries. He's an, an old-school Marine. And he just feels like, you know, just rub some dirt on it and get out there. And I think some of his decisions here have been a borderline, you know, ridiculous. And, again, the Wilpons will never see that, you know, they have a guy, a general manager. You know, the reason Terry Collins makes all these, you know, is there is because Sandy Alderson wants someone he can completely control as manager. Wally Backman would never let that happen. A lot of managers wouldn't let Sandy Alderson have the control that he has in that dugout. They'd say, look, you think Joe Girardi will let Sandy Alderson uh, control him the way Terry Collins does? That's the way. That's the reason Terry Collins is there. Alderson's a control freak. And um, what I'm saying is, it's getting bad. I mean, he's he's really. I think it's time for him to move on. But, you know, again, the whole thing. That's the bigger.
3: It's a bigger organization change. I think it's the way it goes is you first, you, you fire the coaches. And then after you fire the coaches, you fire the manager. And that's kind of ties into the same thing here. And then if the then that, that changes, um, then it's the next layer up. Uh, in some cases, like when Bobby Valentine was fired, they gave Steve Phillips another year and, and it didn't work out. And, uh, he was gone shortly thereafter. So, um, I don't know with the way Sandy is viewed. Sandy's more of a, an organization overseer. Uh, how long it would be before it got to that? It's not at that point, but you're right. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, they certainly. I mean, listen. It, forget about just mishandling injuries. This they play short all the time. They play short again today, yeah. and I
6: just
2: a ten-day DL
3: different. now. There's really no reason for it. So
6: um, uh, one last thing definitely
3: a breakdown in this order. One
6: last sure. thing, one last sure. thing, and I'm really curious. this I've always been I'm a long, long-time Mets fan. And I'm still puzzled about the whole Murphy situation. He was a guy who's always hitting the clutch, never had power. He started developing power, but he's, his ability to hit in pressure situations was always there. And he just blossomed at 29 or 30 years old. Why were they so? And, you know, when Gary Cohn came on and said he's a net negative, my feeling, that comes right from the Wilpons. The side, is, is it the Fred Walpont or Jeff Wilpons just didn't like him? and they didn't want to sign him, because how could you ignore his body of work and just let him go to the Nationals for $12 million a year? You know, and everyone said, you know, a lot of people would say, oh, no one could envision him, um, you know, having those seasons he had, he's had with the Nationals, but you could definitely see he was getting a lot better. You could see him. Usually players, they're like 29 or 30, that's when some of them take it to the next level. You, can, you, you know, and that's what a general manager is there for, to make those evaluations. But I never understood uh, the disconnect, why they totally, totally didn't run What happened there?
3: Well, I think, I think they, they felt that when they looked at his 2015, the second half was a higher outlier than what he was expected to do. I think they wanted someone who, from an overall body of work, offensively would give them a similar type of production, and defensively was an upgrade. I think Ben Zobrist and how he played against them, was really the apple of their eye, and when that fell apart, uh, and then Cespedes was pulled back into the fold as an option. I don't think they had the money um, to get both. It, it would have been interesting niche. if Murphy took the qualifying offer, uh, and, and, you know, almost Murphy, I wonder. If Murphy took the qualifying offer, put up MVP numbers. He would be looking at a hell of a lot more cash now. It's almost, yeah, I know it worked out. out for him. He got his contract, but to me, if I was Murphy, I would take that qualifying offer, have an MVP year, and he might have got a five, six year deal this year. Maybe seven years. Yeah, no, no, maybe not seven. It, five year deal.
6: It's Alderson totally misevaluating the player. He's there to make those deci- decisions. He's a general manager, and he just totally misread Murphy. And that's his job. And right. that's, the fault is with him.
3: Yeah, no. And Scott, thank you, uh, thank you so much for the call. I, listen, I was wrong too about Daniel Murphy. Um, Without a doubt, I was wrong about Daniel Murphy. And, uh, and uh, you know, he, his play at second base had a lot to be desired. I think David Wright being on the roster, even though everybody knew David Wright was a long shot to return uh, in any capacity, unless they were really deluding themselves, was the reason why Murphy's not back. Because Murphy at third, I was fine with. Murphy at first, I was fine with. You could even make the argument Murphy at first is better than Duda at first. Uh, but Murphy at second. I know the Nationals are winning with him, but still, you know, from from that standpoint, uh, it's just not, you know, defensively and for the base running, he still drives you nuts. But listen, you can't argue the bat. He's one tough out, and I think the comparison has been made that he's a combination of Don Mattingly uh, and Wade Boggs, and, and that is very true right now. Very true. I can't argue with that. 646-716-8187. We've got about 10 minutes here. I know there's a ton of Twitter stuff going on. I think I've actually uh, responded. And forgive me if I haven't addressed uh, specifically. And I know that there's been one tweet uh, from at Pistol815 about who I would see as a replacement if they fired Collins and Worth, and I'll get to that in a minute. But uh, I got a 717 area code, 8974. You're on the air. What's your name? You're on the air of the Talking Mets podcast, of Mike Silva.
2: Hi, Mike. My name is Scott. Just calling hey, Scott. to say, stop the panic. You know, as a lifelong Mets fan, we, we've we seen this before. Uh, people ripping Sandy. To me, I think Sandy has built us an incredible team farm system. I mean, look where we were with Omar. Was, you know, move on. And, you know, it seemed to me a lot of wasted money that that sandy is making the right moves bringing cespedes bringing bruce you know i'm just not ready to panic and quit on him yet and then you know we still have some young pitching yet to bring up you know cologne and justin dunn and you know i don't know maybe i see the glass half full
3: (laughs) well listen you're you're one of the few and there's nothing wrong with that and pj conlin uh is someone definitely interesting uh uh, there's definitely some other not quite ready for this year, young players. And you're right, Sandy Olson's brought a lot to the table. Thank you so much, Scott. There's your positive Mets comment of the day, and there's nothing wrong with that. And if you have a positive comment, we're not like your typical talk radio show where everything's got to be negative. The reason it's negative now is because of what's going on. 910 uh, area code 0776, what's your name? You're on the Talking Mets podcast at Mike
2: hey. hey, Mike, it's Daryl. Can you hear me all right? Hey, Daryl. Hey, how's it going, I man? can
3: hear you great. Good, I hear you great. What's going on?
2: Uh, just a couple questions. I uh, love your show. doing great work. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. I heard the other guy say something about uh, having a fire sale or, or somebody when traded some guys. Uh, I think the Blue Jays would be right up the alley. Donaldson, Strada. I think Donaldson especially uh, playing third base if Wright couldn't come back, which it doesn't look like he is. I think it would be a great fit, a great addition. Uh, my other question don't would Don't disagree. Be,
3: don't disagree. You right. might have to give up a Rosario-type prospect. Yeah. Him
2: now, and that's the right question. Right. Yeah. I w- I, maybe Smith, like you said earlier, but Rosario uh, probably wouldn't do it. But um, I didn't get the... Uh, Alderson, uh, he came up with a press conference the day before the game, and he didn't take any questions. He made the statement. But my thing is... Why would you come out with the uh, press conference knowing that there would be a bunch of people wanting to ask questions? You know, I, I don't know if that was – maybe you should have took a few and, and or maybe you shouldn't have done it at all. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah, I understand that, and and, and Daryl, thank you so much for the call. I Appreciate you listening and the kind words, and uh, you know this has really gone well, guys. This is awesome. I mean, I I can't thank you guys enough for calling in. I mean, uh, spend time to listen and and be on hold, and some of you on hold a while. It, it it's really flattering. Um, you know that's Sandy, Sandy, I, and I think part of it they really didn't know, and there's also the Players Association and the, and anything that Harvey can do. On an appeal, you have to be really careful with this stuff. There's legalities with it, and Sandy's not dumb. He knows that, and he knew that Harvey would come back strong with probably an appeal, and it sounds like that. And I don't think he wanted to have a back-and-forth in the media, sort of what's going on with Phil Jackson and Carmelo Anthony. Um, but, you know, um, he, that's Sandy. That's all I can say. He doesn't care what the media thinks. He's his... It's his domain. Here's what he's going to say. That's all I'm going to say. You're not going to get any more. And if you do have a Q&A, he tends to lawyer up and give you nothing. He was doing a little bit of that on the air with Darling and Cohen last night. So um, Sandy's really good at saying nothing in a lot of words. Let's put it that way. Um, if you do want to squeeze a call in, we've got about five minutes left on the feed. The number is 646-716-8187. Let me go into the thread here. And check out, I'm going to try to run through this as quick. I know Joe D. had some comments in there at uh Twitter, uh, the real question, let me just do that. Let me get the one Twitter question that I, I'm scanning through this. And, um, you know, as far as Wendy Adair, is there any news on Wright's re- rehabilitation? I don't have it, and I'll tell you what. If Wright could DH, I think he'd be playing. Obviously, there's no DH in the National League. Um, and I don't think he's ever going to be able to throw again, so I don't think you're ever going to see right again. Um, and I, I, I was talking about at Pistol 815. The Mets would have fired Collins. Who do you see as possible replacements? Uh, obviously, Viola replaces Worthen, he says. I agree with that. Uh, some of the managers, and I, here's what I say. I keep going back. You guys have heard this, and I'm going to repeat it again. I want a manager who can manage a bullpen, who has a history of managing the bullpen, could can communicate his players. I want someone who's a little bit more of a – authoritarian type of leader but also somebody who can gain the respect of the players i think there's a there's an ability to do that i know you keep hearing you can't do that with the modern player but there's a little bit of my way or the highway on certain things and i like to see that you've heard about um you know alex cora joe mcewing you've heard todd green as a name as a manager um you know gabe kapler's name has come up uh, I haven't heard about Raul Banyas uh, as being someone who could be a manager. I mean, there's, you know, I'd have to see a list. And right now, hey, look, the guy I wanted was Wally back. When he's not in the organization, that's not going to happen. So that would be the guy I'd want. I think he can do a good job, and, and I think that that ship sailed. I think Viola as a pitching coach would be a start. Terry's 60, what, 67, 68 years old? you got to get someone a little more contemporary. <laughs> who can be a little bit harder, who's a little bit more comfortable in their skin. At times, I feel Terry is not comfortable disciplining because of his history, and he's gone soft. Here's an out-of-the-box idea. Let me throw this at you guys, and this would be a short – this would almost be like bring this guy in and see if he could get lightning in a bottle. Jimmy Leland, who coached the – or managed the the WBC team. I know he's like 70 years old. Uh, even though Colin says he's a Jimmy Leland disciple, I don't believe it. This is a guy Jimmy Leland got in Barry Bonds. Jimmy Leland got in Barry Bonds' face in spring training when Barry Bonds was, was about to become a free agent in a year and a half. You imagine doing that today? Go back and look that up. Maybe there's a guy that would come in and do something like lightning in a bottle, similar to what uh, Jack McKeon did with the Marlins a few years back, what, about a decade ago. So think about that. Uh, let me see. i uh, going through the – there's a lot in this uh, thread, and I apologize. Let's see. Well, anyway, it looks like um kind of went through everything. Joe D. had a bunch of questions that I'm probably not going to get all to, and I'm going to save them. Uh, but I'll read them real quick. So let me read these really, really quick. I'll go into this. Um, one, it says, by the time we trade Matt Harvey, you'll have about as much trade value as Rafael Montero. That That's probably a little bit of an overreaction. Here's one from Allison. Is the damage done with Matt Harvey, or does this still get worse before it gets better? Fasten your seatbelts, Allison. It's going to get interesting because Harvey's a battler, and I don't see Harvey having the self-awareness and the ability to be... Uh, accountable for his actions. So I think this is going to be a battle. I think there's going to be more to come out as the week goes on. Paulie says, Terry Collins deserves a lot of credit for that one and nine stretch. He gave that team meeting before the national series in DC and the team responded big time. You know, uh, they do seem to respond to him, but I always feel that the one and nine stretch has a lot to do with him as well. Um, Craig says so much for the best starting rotation in baseball. They have four sixty ERA ranks 26th in MLB. What a joke. It's also a like 25 run game in there, a 23 run game, and they've been really bad the last week. It's still early; you're not even 20% of the way in. So, just Craig, I think you, uh, uh, I, I think you just gotta, you know, let this thing play out. But listen, with the depth and what's been going on, um, with the injuries and, and the lack of command with these players and the five inning starts, you know, you're right; uh, they're certainly not living up to expectations. Hey, we're running out of time here. I want to thank everybody for this hour. This was a lot of fun. The comments and the calls were awesome. I didn't get to everything, and I apologize. Again, uh, we'll do this again, and, and I, I think this went better than the one in the winter. I hope you enjoy. Please leave me feedback. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. Leave feedback in the thread at MetsamorizedOnline.com. If you want to go to iTunes and leave a review, good, bad, whatever, I'm all for it, and uh, I absolutely love interacting with this community, being part of this community, doing this podcast every week and uh, I, anything good bad and different, you guys just bring it at me. I, I, that's what this is all about. I want this to be a progressive open don't worry about criticism you know whatever whatever you have on your mind, come at me. Uh, we could always have fun, debate and be respectful while we're at it. Of course. You can check out the show all the time at com. Send me a tweet at Mike's social media. Check out the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcast service is required. I'm your host, Mike. Lula. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. I'll be back next week. Take care.